This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 791. There was something about it that were giving him alarm bells. This had been on the market for quite some time, and the numbers just looked awful, like pitiful. And he's like, how could this be? How could this apartment building be bringing in this little money? After we found out what the property was actually bringing in, it was a slam dunk deal. Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? So glad you're here with us today. You made the right decision choosing to listen to this podcast because we are the biggest, the best, and the baddest real estate podcast in the entire world. I'm David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, joined today with Rob Abasolo, also known as Rob Built. If you're somewhere cool like YouTube, or you like short term rentals, or you like being around cool people, you definitely know who Rob is. Today's show, we are interviewing Nate Shields and Troy Zimmerman. These are two folks who were struggling getting their real estate business going until they found each other and had a partner made in paradise. They ended up doing a home run burr and transitioned that into multifamily deals. And we get into how they found each other, how they knew the partnership would work, what they did wrong in previous partnerships, and how they are looking for and analyzing deals today. Rob, what were some of your favorite parts of today's show? You know, I think it's really nice because we talk about partnerships and we talk about forming partnerships, but really being on the same page, not just in the actual day-to-day logistics, but having a long-term vision for where you want your business or your real estate deal to go. That way, there aren't any disputes or any fallouts later down the road. I think this is something that's missed by so many real estate investors that just you know, very nonchalantly partner up with people, but they don't ever discuss the exit plan, which can really like create problems if one partner is not in a position to sell and the other partner has to sell or wants to sell because, you know, life circumstances happen. So we kind of get that story. We get the ins and outs of forming some of those JVs, how to work with some of those investors and uh quick tip. Can I get to the quick tip? Sorry. I was, I'm so excited. All right. Today's quick, quick tip. Pick up the phone. And make the dang call. Most of us are not closing deals or getting deals or scaling or getting to where we want to get into in the real estate world because we don't pick up the phone and just pitch our whatever we want to the real estate investor, to the property owner. I tell a story of how I called a car wash operator today and you know, he gave me an offer on a on a property that he previously told me no on. And we get into that a little bit more with Nate and Troy here because this deal that that they talk about all happened because he picked up the phone and he made a phone call and it turned into like a total grand slam of a deal. Dang it, that wasn't so quick, was it? No, but mine go long also. And I was just thinking maybe that's not a quick tip, but it's a quality tip. So that's today's quality <laughs> tip for you. It's a quantity tip. <laughs> If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six-month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. 
Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24 7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let's bring in Nate and Troy. Nate Shields and Troy Zimmerman, welcome to this side of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Now, as I understand, each of you work at Bigger Pockets, but you're not used to being on this side of the camera and the microphone. So, first question scale of one to 10, how terrified are each of you? For clarification, I do not, but I live vicariously through Nate, who does work for Bigger Pockets. Um, so, I hear all the stories. Thank you, Troy. I should have known. You just look exactly like Nate. If you guys go onto YouTube and watch this, you will see it's like we're talking to the same person in two different shirts. It's like one of those, what are those movies like Tom Hardy did one where he played two brothers? You know what I'm talking about, Rob? Because you know every movie, right? I do. And then didn't like the parent trap. That's what this is. I feel like we have the same person playing two roles on the podcast, but I promise they're different people. Because that is usually what people say whenever they meet us. They're like, you know, they're always weirded out because they're like, who's, are you David? Or are you Rob? It's like, you guys look like brothers. Yeah, that's very, no, not well-known fact. That's why Rob grows his quaff. It's just so we can be differentiated <laughs> because we look like yeah. twins. It's helpful. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's tired of getting confused with David Green. He's like, I'm way more handsome than that guy. Stop doing it. He looks like a combination of Shrek and Dana White. And I look like Antonio Banderas. Why are you guys mixing us up here? All right, so in today's show, Nate and Troy are going to walk us through a deal that they're doing that includes a new joint venture, as well as working directly with the seller. We're going to dive in more later, but first, tell us a few quick stats about this deal. Troy, I'm going to start with you. What kind of property is it? Yeah, it's a total of 14 units, two quads and two triplexes. Oh, are these all on the same lot? Uh, essentially, there are uh, two of them are on the same street. Two units are just one street over. Oh, but they're different parcels that are owned by they the same are. person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, Nate, what did you buy it for? 
We are buying this for 925000 You guys see how I'm using your names just so it makes the audience think that we're talking to two different people and they don't realize that it's actually the parent trap. And then, Troy, what's your plan for the property? We're going to hold this. We hold most of our property long term. All right. I'm excited to hear more. We'll get back to this deal. But first, how did you two get into business together? Did each of you have partners before you met each other? Did you look at each other and think, oh my God, we were separated at birth. We are clearly identical twins. Like, What was the origin story of this relationship? Yeah. So Nate and I met after school, after college, um, through some mutual acquaintances and just had a lot of uh, similar interests, uh, like to play golf, like to play music, guitar. Um and actually, uh, early on, I was starting my financial planning career and uh, Nate was um, working for a security company. And uh, we actually started a little side hustle together where we would go out and uh, kind of procure these really great deals from local restaurants and realtors or uh, retail shops. And then we'd package them up into these little coupon books. You've probably seen them. And we'd sell them to the community. And then, unfortunately, Groupon happened. And uh. <laughs> Wait, so did you actually... Like, you were actually creating the literal coupon books? We were. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That must have been so much work, was it? Yeah. I mean, it, it was a lot of work. It didn't last long. Um, we should have seen the internet coming. Probably by that point, for sure. But I, I bought one or two of those in my lifetime. And, you know, I was just going every day. I was like, well, I need a cheap meal. I guess today I'm going to Applebee's for $10 off. Exactly. For someone who is trying to figure out, should they partner? Should they not partner? Who's the right partner? Before we get into the deal, I'd like to get some of your guys' perspective on what did you do with people that looking back, you can clearly see that were those were mistakes. That's why it didn't work. And what did you see in each other that made you realize this is a partner that actually could work out in the long term? We could start with you, Nate. Yeah, I think... Um you know, Troy and I had developed this relationship in our twenties. Um, you know, we were, we were playing golf together. We would have poker nights, uh, play video games. I mean, we were just kind of hanging out, becoming buddies basically first. And then we had that, you know, that coupon business that kind of fizzled rather quickly, but we're both kind of in that visionary mindset. We like, you know, talking about ideas, new things, new businesses, all that kind of stuff. And so what kind of happened, um, you know, over time, I ended up leaving my marketing job that I had and I, I did not like that job at all. So I was looking for an out. I became a real estate agent and within eight months, I was able to quit my job and went full-time in the real estate. And at that point, I didn't know what investing was still. Um, I spent a couple of years just doing retail buy and sell and, uh, then a property manager friend of mine uh, shared the latest Bigger Pockets episode with me. And this was back in 2015, I think, is around episode 105. So I think we've had a few episodes since then. Um, and it just kind of floored me to, to hear about real estate. So I listened to all the podcasts, I started reading books. And that's when Troy and I talked about a partnership uh, together because we were both interested in real estate. Troy had actually already had. Uh, some experience buying rental properties. And so we decided, um, you know, how are we going to build a business together? Does it make sense to work together? How can we do that? And really it was because of that relationship that we had had for years at that point that we felt comfortable going into business together, especially because I felt like he had more of a financial mind being a financial planner. I was 
you know, in the trenches selling real estate every day. So I had my pulse on the market, but then he had also had experience on both uh, the commercial side, managing some commercial properties and buying rental properties. So for us, it was just, you know, well, let's do this. What, where do we start first? So you knew each other for a while. You got to know each other's character, personalities and styles, and you believed this is a person that I could trust. And then you made another good point there. You had opposing skill sets. Doesn't do any good to have two point guards on the same team. You want somebody who is covering a different base than you. Troy, anything you'd add to that? No, I, I think that's true to a certain extent. And yet, as I look at our real estate business, um, it, you know, real estate is not that hard. So I've watched our business change and our roles in the business change as needs have arised. Like Nate said, for, for a while, he was an agent and it was because of his, um, just his ability to access auctions in the MLS at that point, he was kind of the deal sourcer. He would find the deals. Um, and through that, we found our first Burr property, went to auction, bought it for 60 grand, rehabbed it, rented it, repeated, refied, repeated. It worked perfectly. It was a perfect Burr and then we never did it again. But, uh, <laughs> but it was because of Nate's role at that time. Um, that he was finding the deals that's shifted somewhat. And we've been able to kind of offload some of the responsibilities, um, depending on who's carrying what at any given time. So Nate, you started off finding deals, Troy, you were sort of handling the, the back end of it, making sure everything got done. It's funny that you said you did a burr and then you stopped. I think so many people that were buying properties from 2014 to 2020 or so, had that same experience. Like we were so spoiled that you could do a burr, get a hundred percent of your money out, be left with a cash flowing rental that had been fully rehabbed and was going to have no CapEx for the near future and just think that's normal and it should happen all the time. And there's so many of them that we don't even need to go do this again. Right. And now we're in this market where we're like, I'd give my left arm to have anything that cash flowed a little bit. And if I leave 10% of the money in the deal, I'd be thrilled with it. We can't find those anywhere. And we're all looking back, kicking ourselves saying, why didn't I buy more real estate when I could? What was your mindset at the time when you guys did that deal that prevented you from going after more? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the most important investment that anyone makes is their first deal because it kind of gives, gets them over that hump of I can do this. And you learn a lot in that process. And so for me, uh, there, there are two things that kind of held me back from investing in real estate. One was just like, how does real estate, like, how does a real estate transaction get put together? And luckily I had at that point about two years, maybe about, you know, I think I had about 60 deals to my name just in the, the trading of real estate for clients. And so I felt like I had uh, a comfort level with how a transaction goes. I had contacts, like I had attorneys, I had, you know, a bunch of different vendor partners. And then the the second part of it uh, that, that I really learned a lesson on was, you know, how to find and manage a contractor. And I made some pretty, pretty big mistakes there. Uh, trusted a referral. And usually that's a great place to start, but you still have to do another layer of vetting. And I did not vet this contractor hard enough. And he just took way too long, went way over budget, uh, it was, it was poor quality work on top of all of that. Um, and then it delayed our process to be able to complete, you know, kind of the burr strategy. And it led us into basically the fall, which is not a great time to try to rent a property in the upper Midwest. Um, and so luckily we did find really fantastic tenants, 
but it did delay our timeline by, by several months. And so I learned some lessons on how to find contractors and, and that led to some better, uh, experiences down the road where I was actually able to partner with some contractors that knew how to work with investors. I knew how to better manage them and I knew what to, to look out for as well. Contractors are such a tricky referral <laughs> because when I get a good contractor, it's like, I don't want you to know who that contractor is. I don't want to give you my guy, right? I'm going to give you someone else's guy that I heard they use, and maybe I have their contact info. Is it the same with you, Rob? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I ruined my contractor in yeah. in uh, California for myself. He was the best contractor in the city. I'm not even going to say the city because I've already ruined that city too, but everyone goes to him now. He's He's built dozens of homes for people that I referred out. And now I can't even get a quote for like three months and like he's expensive now and it's a whole thing. And I'm like, well, I'm happy you're winning, but I'm now losing because I helped you win. So you have this budding relationship. Uh, you guys have sort of figured out we want to be in business together. How did you align on where you wanted to go? You did mention you pivoted after the first burst. So obviously, there must have been a heart to heart that sort of guided your strategy after that. So uh, Nate, can you give us your, your, your thoughts and then I'll go over to you, Troy. Yeah. When we, when we first talked about this idea to, you know, own rental properties, uh, our pie in the sky goal was a hundred units in 10 years. And that we just pulled that out of thin air. It just sounded cool. Um, but it, it kind of at least gave us a starting point because you got to start with one. Um, and so, we we talked, we set up our LLC, we uh Troy brought the banking relationship with a commercial lender and which was we're still working with that that person to this day. And so that's kind of um you know where that all began. And then I think the next thing that kind of changed some things too in addition to maybe kind of stopping the burst strategy, Troy moved out of states. So we were in the Chicago area at the time. He moved to South Carolina. And so that kind of changed our strategy a little bit too, because he was kind of looking at some properties there. We had one property in particular that was kind of a disaster. We bought a duplex that we made a huge due diligence mistake on. We thought it was zoned multifamily and it was not. And we did not find this out until the appraisal was done. We had already done quite a bit of work to it. We were not going to be able to pull out our money unless it was a property that adhered to the zoning. And since it was being used as a two unit, we either could have kept our cash in that deal or we had to revert it back to a single family to pull our cash out. So we had to make the hard decision to pull our cash out of there. We had to revert it to a single family, which cost us like another $10,000. And then when Troy had moved to South Carolina, we sourced a property there. And that kind of took us more to an more of an out-of-state investing mindset because that's where, where we do most of our deals now. I want to talk about a little bit of the, the ins and outs of the partnership in the structure that you have in place. And I wanted to just start with this question. Is it hard to actually set up a partnership? No, I mean, for us, we, we probably did the worst thing possible, but we just jumped on <laughs> legal Zoom and um, set it up that way. And uh, it's been fine. I guess we've never, we haven't made any changes. So it was pretty easy. All right. Getting back into this deal that we are talking about here, your 14 unit, uh, I believe we're with you, Nate. So tell us, how did you find this deal? So I'll back up for just a second and I'll tell you how we found the market. Um, five years ago, we were looking for a bigger multifamily deal and we were pretty agnostic as to like what market we were in. We would obviously do our due diligence if we found a, a deal, but we're looking at major markets all across the U S and actually Troy 
found this 20 unit deal in Northwest Alabama, about an hour outside of Huntsville. And there was something about it that were giving him alarm bells. This had been on the market for quite some time. And the numbers just looked awful, like pitiful. And he's like, how could this be? How could this apartment building be bringing in this little money? It just didn't make any sense to him. And so, uh, this is why he's such a great partner, but he, he dug into it. He, he found, uh, found the property manager and Troy, maybe you, you want to continue this because you, you were the direct contact with the property manager at that time. Yeah. I, um, I found it on LoopNet, who was, uh, like Nate said, a 20, 20 plex that just looked, the NOI was ridiculously low. And instead of just passing it over, I thought I'd call the property manager and called him up and kind of said, I asked him, why, why is, why are these numbers? Why are the, why is the rent so low on this property? And he kind of laughed and he said, you know, the only thing I can think of is that I switched property management software halfway, halfway through the year. And they only took one of the 1099s and listed it as the income for the entire property. So he ran through the numbers with me and after, after we found out what the property was actually bringing in, it was a slam dunk deal. I mean, best deal we've ever done by far. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that was a lesson for me. Just, just pick up the phone, you know, I mean, the best deal of your life can be one phone call away. So, you know, with that being said, that is how we actually met Robbie. He was the property manager who picked up the, picked up the phone when I called. And we love the guy and he has been so instrumental in our business. So not only does he manage that 20 unit for us, he brought us a, uh, a fourplex in 2020, early 2020. And then he just brought us this 14 unit deal completely off market. So, you know, for us, our property manager has really been the greatest source of, uh, deal finding. So let me get a, let me get clarification here. If I'm hearing this correctly, you found a deal on LoopNet that didn't necessarily work out. It was like, eh, it's not that great of a deal. And then you were like, but yeah, I'm going to call anyway. You call and then due to a technicality or a flub or a glitch, they're like, oh yeah, sorry. Let me crunch the numbers, crunch. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, we were way off. It actually makes this much money. And then no one had made an offer on the property because the numbers looked bad at face value. Yeah. I mean, it's shocking, right? That, that no one had followed up on this. The numbers were so bad that I didn't think it was, it was possible. And that's what prompted me to make that call. And, uh, yeah, it's been a great deal for us. Yeah. So that's what brought us in, into that particular market. And then over the last few years, we just remind Robbie, our property manager, uh, Hey, we're buyers. So if anything comes across your desk, We'd love to take a look at it. And after BPCon uh, last October, we were pretty fired up like everyone was. And we reminded our property manager again, hey, we're looking for deals, especially if there's any kind of you know creative finance element to it. Uh, we, we are buyers right now. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And I want everyone at home to just listen to this. I was thinking about this earlier on my walk this morning and on my walkabout, if you will. And one thing that I realize is I think that the reason most people don't scale or don't have success past like their first deal or even getting their first deal is because they just don't ever make a physical phone call. Like the moment you have to make a call, you just kind of get, ah, I don't know, that's too much work. I'm too nervous about it. But it's just like calling people can lead to so many opportunities. I saw this car wash and, uh, you know, I'll say this, like I, there's a phone number on the door of this car wash. 
And I was like, hey, maybe they'll sell it to me. And I called him six months ago and he was like, no, no, I'm not going to sell it. But thank, thank, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. But no, no, thank you. And I was like, all right, great. Walked by today, called him again. And uh, he answered the phone. I was like, hey, it's me. I called you six months ago, just following up. And he was like, well, I'd sell it for three, four million if you're for real. He said, you called me six months ago. And I was like, all right, it was not a great price. It's actually a very bad price, but I made progress in six months because I decided to call and I almost did it. And I think that if I call him again in six months, maybe it'll go down to 2.9. I don't know. But the point is calling over and over again warms people up. It builds rapport. And even if you fail at making those phone calls, it at least thickens your skin a little bit so that you can just do it. Because it, it is scary to make phone calls, I think. So kudos to you on doing that. Yeah. And, and I think especially in today's market, right? Everyone, the, the hardest part is finding a good deal. And yet so few people are willing to just take the extra step to to make a deal happen. Well, this is what stood out to me about this. You see a deal on the MLS, the numbers are terrible. We've all seen that. Oh my God, that house is priced so high. Why do they think they're going to get that? Those cap rates don't make any sense. Like these, are, I hear these statements constantly. We view it like that's the price. It doesn't make sense moving on to the next one. When I see that, I'm not looking at it from my perspective of I want an easy deal. I just want to find something that makes a bunch of money. I can write one offer on, put it in contract and be done. I'm thinking how that listing agent must feel. This thing's been sitting on the market for six months, for nine months with numbers that clearly don't make sense. They probably feel pretty bad about themselves. These listing photos are terrible. They don't even have an interior shot. Nobody's going to be asking about this. They're probably desperate for a phone call. This person probably really wants to talk to somebody about real estate. That listing might be expiring soon and they've got nothing to take to the seller. They're going to lose the listing completely. That's the house you want to call on. You don't want to call on the one that looks gorgeous and is priced really low and has been on the market four days because it's priced low on purpose. It's going to sell for a hundred grand or 200 grand more than that. And that listing agent isn't even going to answer the phone. They're going to give you some automated response and say, submit your offers through this portal on this website. You'll never get to talk to me. They're running an auction and your client's going to be frustrated. You call those ones that are obviously messed up and you find what you found, Troy. Oh, the rents are much higher. They're idiots. <laughs> they don't know what they have, right? These pictures are terrible. The property looks way better than I thought. What were they thinking when they did this? And they want an offer. They want something. They want to start negotiations. They just want to feel wanted. They haven't gotten attention in six months, right? All their friends are getting dates and they're sitting there posting on their Instagram and they're getting zero likes. And then you happen to leave that one person a comment and they're like, oh my gosh, I got attention from a buyer. This feels great. They want to talk to you all the time. Those are the deals that you should be looking for when you're an investor. But for some reason, we pass them all up and we chase after the same homes that everyone else is. All right. So let's see, where are we? Troy, how did you negotiate this deal? So, so one thing when, when we're trying to vet markets in general, and I think it organically started just because it was where we lived, but we were about an hour outside of Chicago. And so we're our, our outside of a Metro area, decent demographics. When Troy moved to South Carolina, he sourced a duplex there. That was about 30 minutes outside of Charleston. And then when we were looking for a larger deal in a different market, this just happened to be about an hour outside of Huntsville, which is a very, uh, very strong market and has been for, for years now. It's really been on fire. Um, so what, what we do, I, you know, for some people who might think that 
it's hard to find a deal in your own town. That that can be the case. And depending on what your goals are and what you're looking for, there are plenty of markets out there that might just be on the fringe of a really hot market that doesn't have the attention yet. And so if you just go and do your due diligence and see what's going on there, sometimes there are markets, uh, and we've found this to be true in several markets where not just one metro area, but there can be two or three, like in a triangle. And that, that can be really, really good. Like down in, down in Alabama, there's, uh, there's Huntsville and then there's like, there's a bunch of manufacturing in Tupelo, Mississippi. And then you've got, um, you know, up into like Memphis and, and Nashville. So some of these markets feed off of each other because a lot of their distributors come from these larger markets and then infill into the smaller markets. So there's still a lot of good things to be looking out for in these these uh, tertiary markets. So that's the 20 unit. You also mentioned this 14 unit uh, on, on this deal. Troy, is that the same market as this one? Is it a different market? Yeah, it is the same market. And in fact, um, I think I also mentioned the four unit complex that we bought. It's literally on the same street. These 14 units are on the same street that we already own a fourplex. So really familiar with the area, feel good about the property management that's in place. Yeah. And so I, I imagine you, you get to use a lot of the same vendors. And so it's a pretty seamless machine once it's up and running, right? We love it. I, I mean, having having solid boots on the ground makes you want to continue to purchase and continue to buy in in that area. Yeah. 100% agree. And, and and Nate, you know, kind of got your take here on like the tertiary markets, all that stuff. But can you just take us through your actual buy box and how has that buy box evolved over time? Yeah, I think when we started out, you know, we just bought, we bought a single family and we did the burst strategy. Then we looked into um, some duplexes and some larger units. And when we wanted to go for the 20 unit, um, I mean, we, it didn't have to be a 20 unit. It just ended up being the best deal for us. And as we've continued to kind of build our portfolio, we'd like to stay in that kind of mid, mid-sized multifamily range. Cause it's, first of all, it's a commercial property. We prefer to play in that space if possible. Um, but, uh, as we move forward, I think that, um, we're not, I mean, if it was a good deal and it's in a market we like, well, we'd probably still buy a duplex. Uh, we like multifamily quite a bit, but you know, Troy, maybe you could kind of chime in on on what you're thinking um, our our best buy box is because I think what we're looking is for a deal in a market that we like and have boots on the ground. That's 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 kind of our criteria. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I also think um, I think our buy box has changed a little bit given the current market environment. Um, I think we are less focused on cash flow right now. And more focused on just solid properties that hopefully break even. Hopefully we get a little bit of cash flow. Um, but solid markets where we feel rents will appreciate long term, kind of taking care of the cash flow problem on, on its own. Um, but then looking for, for markets where we feel, um, long term appreciation will naturally occur as well. So yes, I'm working on a book right now that I'm hoping bigger pockets will publish. That details the 10 different ways that you make money in real estate. And you just mentioned two of those ways, uh, market appreciation, cash flow and market appreciation equity, trying to bring some clarity to all the different angles that people take when they're making plays. Cause there's so much controversy between should you be an equity investor? Should you be a cash flow investor? Does location matter? Should you be adding value? And really the answer is 
yes, you should be doing all of it, but you typically have to give up something to get others. So I like that you guys are sharing. This is the strategy that we are using and this is why. So therefore, these are the properties that we're looking for. Uh, remind me, what did you pay for this deal? 925000 That's right. 925 You said that earlier. And then, uh, Troy, how did you negotiate that? Uh, really did not negotiate as far as price goes because uh, it was an off-market deal. And the seller was adamant on his price. And he said, if someone can pay me $9.25, I'm willing to sell. Um, if not, I'm willing to hold. He built these 14 units. He was the builder um, back in the late 90s. And so he has a lot of pride of ownership. Oh, yeah. I can see this one already. Yeah. Um, so we didn't negotiate on the price. Um but there were some really interesting pieces that kind of happened along the way. Um, I've been negotiating with this seller since November of last year. And initially he thought he wanted to sell her finance. You know, he didn't want the big tax hit. kind of worked that back and forth. And eventually he just kind of, I don't know, just kind of walked away. I think he, he was second guessing whether or not he wanted to sell, um, to sell the property, you know, his heart and soul was in these things. Um, kind of, kind of let it be for a few months, and in January, just thought, you know what, I'm going to reach back out again. Another phone call, right? I'm going to reach back out to the seller, and I'm just going to say, forget the seller financing. Let's let's work on a traditional financing deal. We'll work with our bank, and we'd still love to buy these units. And at that point. Um, I think he knew he needed to sell. He was in retirement and he agreed to that. So I guess we negotiated in the fact that we got him, we got him to accept the deal. So Troy, was that at all heartbreaking that you had a seller finance deal option or was it like not a huge deal to switch to conventional lending? <sighs> it wasn't a huge deal. Obviously the seller financing piece was attractive in the fact that we thought we could get a lower rate. Um, but it's not like he was pushing the amortization schedule out to 40 years or anything crazy like that. Um, we also have such a good banking relationship that, that believe it or not, I mean, even, I mean, we're getting, we're getting under six with our bank. Um, so we weren't too worried about that. Um, but we ended up this, this deal actually ended up a portion of it is being seller financed anyway. And uh, that was due to an appraisal issue. Got it. So Nate, tell us, how did you fund the deal? So we funded it with our lending partner who we've been working with a very long time. And then the other component was the seller finance. And then our down payment into the deal is obviously between uh, our business. And then we brought on two partners, which we have never done before. So we're doing a JV deal with uh, with another uh, group of guys that... Uh, we like and trust. Okay. So how much money did you have to put in? Because I imagine if you're bringing other investors in, do they want skin in the game? Yeah. We, we ended up putting in altogether right around 30%, um, 30% of the deal. Um, part of that was due to the fact that the appraisal came in low and that's a whole different story. But um, so we brought a little more cash to the deal. And, um, yeah, because, because we've got a few more guys in this deal who wanted to bring capital and wanted to be involved. Um, we did a little bit, a little bit greater down payment. Okay. All right. And, uh, you know, you said that you JV'd on this. Were there any specific 
JV thing that you had to do, or was it still just going on to LegalZoom or whatever website and forming your partnership there? No, we we used an attorney this time. This one, you know, because because there were more um, parties involved, we we felt that was probably the better, <laughs> wiser decision. Um, but really good guys and um, just guys that we've gotten to know and talk real estate with and um, feel comfortable kind of pursuing deals together down the road. So. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of Rent Ready for $1. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Now, was there anything that you had to do to vet the partners that you brought in? Was there any any learnings that you had from your previous I guess, partnerships and everything? Because obviously, if you're bringing in two new people, that's two different mindsets and two different philosophies that are coming into your to your investment. 
Uh, Nate, I don't know if you're the, the, the person who walked through those logistics or if it was you, Troy. Yeah, it was, it was probably more, uh, my relationships, um, on this deal. These guys, these guys were, were neighbors, uh, guys I went to church with. Um, so I just kind of knew them organically through, through everyday life. So they both had real estate experience and, um, you know, we, we decided once we realized we had this similar passion, we just started having breakfast once a month talking about real estate. Uh, they knew I was working on this deal. And for whatever reason, during one of these, one of these breakfasts, I just, I just was kind of feeling a nudge to, to throw the deal out there. And, and, and I did. And I said, guys, what do you think about partnering on this? And Nate and I didn't need to, but I think it was a, it was a, a chance for us to grow and, and learn just how to partner and build a deal with more people involved. And uh, these two guys jumped at the chance and it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. What advice do you have for people who are, you know, they have a decent friend group, but they're not sure who's interested in real estate, who could be a potential partner. They don't even know how to bring this topic up without feeling awkward. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, like when I was a real estate agent, I was always told, no, don't, don't be a secret agent, right? Tell, tell everyone, that you are in the real estate business. Uh, you need to tell people what you're up to, what you're interested in, what you're learning. Um, and naturally these conversations will come up. I was, you know, getting a haircut the other day and, um, real estate came up. And so it's like, people are interested in real estate. Everyone knows something about real estate, right? They either know that their rent has gone up, has skyrocketed the last couple of years and they'll vent on that or they'll, they know that their, their neighbors gotten a, a bidding war over a property and had to pay 50,000 over asking, whatever it is, you know, that everyone knows kind of how real estate works. So, you know, a couple of things is just don't, don't, don't keep it a secret, share it no matter where you're at in your journey. Um, maybe you just read your first book or listen to your first podcast, go tell people if it's, if it's exciting for you, that will rub off on, on other people. And they might have a connection or maybe they'll end up being your, your private money lender or whatever it might be. And then the second thing is go hang out with people who are like-minded. So go find those meetups. Um, you know, you can just go to meetup.com or go to bigger pockets and go to the network tab and find those local meetups. They're happening all the time, all over the place. And if they're not happening, go start your own. Um, that's what I did. I, there was one that was like an hour for me. I didn't want to drive an hour. So I started my own. Troy, anything you add to that? No, just, just to kind of piggyback on what Nate said. Um, I was kind of that secret real estate investor, to be honest. Um, just, just because of the profession that I was in, um, you know, I, I just didn't talk about it a lot. And it's funny to watch now that Chris and Paul are actually involved. They are talking about it more than I am. And it, it's amazing how many people that we know who have now come up and say, I heard you guys are doing this. You got to let me know next time you buy a piece of property. Um, so, you know, I think, I think everyone talks about how important your network is and shame on me for not realizing that earlier, but, but it's true. I mean, it's true. The more people, you know, and in real estate is one of those things, everyone's attracted to it. So the more people, you know, and the more people you can share the story with, you know, I, I think it's going to speed your journey along. Okay. And, um, I, one question here says, I mean, I, I'm kind of always interested to see how these types of things are formatted and everything like that. But with more parties involved on this particular deal, what can you share about communication and partnerships? Obviously, there's the legal side of it. 
And that's the ultimate form because it's all documented. But what about the actual day-to-day back and forth with investors, Troy? Is that something that you've had to sort of change your theories or your philosophies on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not so much my philosophies, but definitely, definitely the the practicality of picking up the phone and keeping everyone in the loop. <laughs> it's been more than what I'm used to. Um, you, you know, thus far though, it's actually been an encouraging experience. You know, when you're kind of, man, this deal has had a lot of hair on it that we're trying to close. And when you're talking to these guys, I mean, the encouragement that I get from, from some of these other guys, Hey, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Uh, we're going to get through this. Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of fun to have more energy going towards a deal, um, that we, that we wouldn't have otherwise. So, but yes, definitely, definitely more communication now that we have other investors. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing when everyone's excited about the deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. You punch holes along the way and you try to make the deal not work, but just barely survive. And then it survives and it's like, we did it. If we could survive our own, you know, hole punching, then, then this is going to be a great deal. Um, so tell, tell me, uh, Nate, where does it stand now? Like, I know you guys haven't closed yet. Are you guys approaching the finish line? How close are you to, to kind of rounding this one out? Yeah, le- less than a week, uh, we are set set to close. Uh, so we're very excited about that. And I guess just to kind of paint a picture, you know, like Troy said, this deal was initially brought to us in November. And at the time of this podcast uh, that we're recording today, it's middle of May. So that's a while, right, to work on a deal. But that's what's really important about making a deal happen is just be persistent. Um, you know, good things take time and good deals uh, are going to take a little extra work sometimes, uh, but they're totally worth it. Totally worth it. Could not agree more. Uh, the best deals rarely work just the, at face value. You know, you, you kind of have to make the deal work. That's something that we've always, that I always heard as a bigger pockets listener, but something that we all believe here at Bigger Pockets is you don't, like deals don't just come out of thin air. You have to you have to make the good deals, right? So I heard David Green say that a time or two. So what's next for you two? I think for us, uh, we like Troy said, we're going to continue buying. Uh, there's a lot of fear in the market, and that's usually a, the signal for me to pounce. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of great deals, like Troy said, in the next 12 to 18 months. We kind of sat on the sidelines the last couple of years, uh, just kind of managing our portfolio. Uh, as the market was just kind of overheated. Um, not that we weren't willing to look at deals and stuff, but it just so happened that as interest rates went up and there was more fear in the market and talks of recession and all this stuff, it 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 opens up a window of opportunity for those who are you know willing to to go after these deals. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Uh, for people that want to find out more about you, Troy, where can they go? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, Troy G. Zimmerman. For me, you can find me on Instagram, Nate underscore Shields, but definitely hit me up on Bigger Pockets. If you are an investor-friendly agent and you'd like to connect with more investors from the Bigger Pockets community, I'd love to have a discovery call with you and see if we can uh, help you build your business through Bigger Pockets. Rob, what about you? You can find me over on YouTube at Rob Built, on Instagram at Rob Built. Occasionally, I post weird, funny videos and uh, on the Apple review uh, platform where you can leave us a five-star review after you do that because you love the show and you want us to get served up to other people and you want other people to achieve financial freedom through real estate. What about you, David? You can find me at davidgreen24.com or go follow me on Instagram or YouTube at davidgreen24. You know, Rob, I had a thought. You need one of those little cartoon heads that is like 
uh, caricature quaff, right? It needs to be very significant. And you need to put it on t-shirts like what you're wearing right now because these are what you wear all the time. And then oh, sell yeah. them for $400. Oh, wow. that's a, I'm flattered you think I could. I know you could. A silhouette of my, my quaff and my glasses like on my pocket. Yeah, like if people pay that much for Dolce & Gabbana, they would easily pay that much for a raw built special. Well, I'm going to send you the first, the first, first edition, all right? I want you to wear it yeah. every episode. If I wore that same shirt as you, people wouldn't be able to tell us apart. They'd be very confused. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah, so we probably should not do that just for the sake of BPCon. Like we don't want people going up to you and being like, Rob? It's like, no, I can see why you think so. Yep. That's it. Nate, Troy, thanks for joining us today. Guys, go give them a follow and keep up to date with what they got going on in the investing world. This is David Green for Rob Donacare in New York, Abasolo, signing out. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming small multifamily bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.